Oh, good morning. Good morning. Let's turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, Gospel of Mark. Traveling over from uh, Hayward this morning. Actually, I got off work this morning at 6, such as why there's a little bit of a shadow here. I did brush my teeth, though, this morning, but um, I'm not sure if I combed my hair. I can't recall that, really. <laughs> I, my parents live right by uh, the police department where I work, so that's where I go and sleep, where it's total peace and quiet, and um, don't have to worry about showers being turned on or phones ringing and things like that. But um, there's this Christian radio station that's playing um, some wonderful praise music, and I had just got a real quick score of the 49er game when I got up at uh, 10 o'clock or so. And I thought, do I want to listen to this game coming over or do I want to listen to praise music on the radio? And for some of you fans, let me just give you a hint. It was better for me to listen to praise music because I didn't want to come into this place into a bad mood, you know, all fired up and everything. So I said, I'm just going to focus on the Lord. And that was a better thing, I think, altogether. Just before we open up to uh, and read God's word from Mark chapter 4, came across this just a couple of days ago. I thought this is important to share with you. The top ten signs that you're in for a long sermon. So you want to be aware of this. What are the top ten signs you're in for a long sermon? Number ten, there's a case of bottled water besides the pulpit in a cooler. Number nine, some of these are better than others, so contain your laughter on some of these that you may. The pews have camper hookups. Don't, don't see any of those. Number eight, you overhear the speaker telling the sound man to have a few dozen extra tapes on hand to record today's sermon. So. Number seven, the preachers brought a snack to the pulpit. I got Tic Tacs, but not. Number six, the preacher breaks for an intermission. Number five, this is really, if you really have to be concerned now, the bulletins have pizza delivery menus. Number four, where when the preacher asks for the deacon to bring in his notes, he rolls in a filing cabinet. The choir loft is furnished with lazy boys. Number three. Number two, instead of taking off his watch and laying it on the pulpit, the preacher turns up a four-foot hourglass. And lastly, in a drum roll... The number one top answer of how you know you're in for a long sermon, the minister says you'll be out in time to watch the Super Bowl, but it's only September. Well, thank you for the water this morning, but I don't need a a, uh, case of it, so we're in good shape, I think. Mark chapter 4, I want to read and ask you the question this morning, how is your heart? How's your heart? Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. 
so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, multiplying thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times. And then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, when you see this on television, or maybe you've experienced this yourself, you see that person who's hooked up to a heart monitor. And I don't really know much about that, but I do know that it's a good sign when you hear it beeping and you see this pulse rate moving up and down. You don't want to be in a situation where you're with somebody, for that matter, and all of a sudden that thing just flatlines. That's a sign that either the machine has gone defective which maybe you hope is the case, or obviously something really serious. It's a medical emergency. There may be some kind of cardiac arrest for that person when that occurs. Jesus loves us so much this morning, so incredibly much, that he too monitors our heart to see how we're doing spiritually. Now, the Bible says in John chapter 2 that when people were believing in him and they were all impressed with his miracles, that it says that he did not entrust himself to man, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. He knew what our heart was like. But in Mark chapter 4, he gives us a grid to gauge for us to evaluate so that we can see really and answer this question based on Mark chapter 4. How is our heart doing spiritually? And really, it's probably a good thing to do, you know, periodically in our lives, because here we are, as Dean said, it's October, another season. And I don't know about you, but this is, for me, my favorite season of all. I love fall as it moves into winter. And I don't know about you, but do you find that on, on, when the seasons come, that this is a chance kind of to reflect and just to, to see, you know, change, you know, what's necessary. You want, maybe you change the decor in your home. I know in our house, we have boxes where... Out goes the 4th of July stuff. Now comes the fall stuff. And then I don't have to get all that back. And in a few months, put up the Christmas stuff. And then it goes to the spring stuff. But far more importantly, it's a chance to evaluate ourselves. If we're Christians this morning, how, is, how am I doing with the Lord? How's my walk? Imagine what it would be like. God in his goodness gives us this opportunity for seasons. If all we had all summer, all spring, all fall, all winter was just the same weather. That'd be pretty boring, wouldn't it? Stagnant, um, when it comes to the spiritual level, is incredibly important that we stay as far away from that as we possibly can. And yet in relationships, it happens, doesn't it? Sometimes in relationships, you know, it just seems like you're just kind of in a stale mode. And that's not a good thing. Who wants stale cornflakes for breakfast this morning? I mean, if you had that, nobody likes anything stale. And God, because he loves us so much, he doesn't want our relationship with him to be stale. And so he wants us to evaluate our heart and to see how we're doing. And we're going to evaluate, and it's wonderful in this text of Scripture, that the Lord actually interprets for us what he just told us in the parable. But the first thing he said in Mark chapter 4, verse 4, is that the seed was scattered along the path, but the problem was the bird's Ate it up. Mark 4, verse 4. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. 
I don't know about you, but those, those birds are incredibly pesky when that happens, isn't it? It's a problem. I've been trying to, in my backyard area where I have a, this lawn that's been, it's one of these lawns that's old. It needs a lot of TLC. The heat over the last, it seems like for the last whatever it's been, months and months, just kills it. And so what I do is I go and, I must have done this now about a dozen times. I go to my local hardware place, a store in Castor Valley. I get my lawn seed. I go out there and I open it up and I just, you know, throw that seed everywhere. And I expect, you know, kind of in my naivete that in another couple of days I'm going to go outside and I'm going to have this lawn all repaired and where all the grass is going to be growing and everything's going to be good because of the seed that was sown. But I always have this problem that a lot of times when I go right out, I go and I see all these birds right on the lawn and they're eating it up. I think, well, okay, maybe they're going to get about 75% of it and I'm going to bank on 25% of the seed left. And it seems like here I am again, lawn still in the same shape, the seed hasn't taken because the birds are eating it up. Now, what does that really mean in the scripture? What is the Lord talking about? Is he talking about literal birds? Because this is a parable. Jesus spoke in parables because, and, and the cool thing about parables are, is for those of you who are simple like myself, generally speaking, the Lord has kind of one idea in a parable. So you don't have to get lost this morning wondering what are all the ideas he's trying to get across today. Jesus has probably one main idea in a parable. And he tells us what that is, and let's just scoot down a little bit and look at verse 13. Actually, we can back up to 10, but um, to get this, he says, When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables, and he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, and you're blessed if you get that this morning. But to those who on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seen but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable, the one he just told? How then will you understand any parable? Verse 14, The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. So when I ask you this morning, really, how is your heart? And another way I'm asking you the question is, is what type of soil are you? What type of soil are you? This can be interpreted really in a couple of different ways. You can say, well, you know, really, how I've always understood this is, is that the different soils represent four different people. Four different types of people. And you know what? You could go with that. And that would probably be good. But you know, there's another way too to look at it. At different phases or times in our lives, we can be like these different soils. You may be like good soil in one area of your life. And as a Christian this morning, you know, you're the good soil in that you're obeying God in a certain area of your life. Maybe it's in the text of Scripture that says, don't forsake the assembling together, as is the habit of some. 
but encourage one another daily. So you're regular in fellowship with believers. And you're obeying the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 10 on that. Good for you. That's what the scriptures teach. By the grace of God, you're obeying that. But maybe there's another area or two in your life where the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on something. And what kind of soil are you in that situation? What's taking place there? So don't just this morning think, you know what, I'm the good soil. The others don't apply to me. That applies to maybe somebody who doesn't know Christ. It could very well apply. I suggest all of these analogies that Jesus gave to even those who know Christ. The first soil he mentions in Mark 4, he tells us that Satan steals the word from hearts before it can take root. Haven't you seen that happen when you've had the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus? You're telling somebody about the Lord and you you get that sense that that person, that man or woman, is receptive to what you're saying. Have you had that happen? You see, you know, in their eyes. Maybe you even see tears start to well up. And you get a sense that that the Holy Spirit is really working here at this point in time in this person's life. Only, only then, all of a sudden, just to see it, the door like that, at that point, just close. Satan, maybe as quickly as that, has stolen the seed. So it's a spiritual battle, isn't it? And we keep praying. And we keep trusting those of our loved ones and friends and family members who don't know Christ. Remember that happening to me a number of times at work where I'm talking to somebody about the Lord. And I know, you know what? I don't know, Lord, what you got in store here. And I don't know how long this conversation is going to go before it gets interrupted by just work or whatever else, but sometimes, you know, it might just be about two or three minutes you got initially to start sowing some seed. And you just pray, and it's our response, just to pray that the Lord will take that that was sown, and he'll water it for his purposes. But you know what? It also happens to us, doesn't it? God sows the seed of his word into our, into our lives. We've heard something. Maybe even this morning you're going to hear something from this message You heard something last Sunday morning. You heard something that when another believer was sharing with you or during your times in the word of God this week, you're reading something and God God spoke to you and there was something there that you knew was from the Lord for you. Maybe it was about complacency. Sometimes the longer you've been a Christian, one of the biggest battles you have to fight is the, the danger of complacency. You know, you, you, you remember the joy of salvation. You remember the joy of hearing that all your sin can be forgiven by the blood of Christ. And you understood for the first time that you have everlasting life. And it was all new and fresh. This walk with God. The fact that the God of the universe, the God who created you, wants to be your father and have a personal relationship with you that you can go to at any time. And you soaked it up like a thirsty lawn wanting some water after a hot summer season. But then after a while, year, two, three, four, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years, there can be the danger of complacency. It doesn't matter as much anymore. You are aware of known sin in your life. And maybe before, when you were an early Christian, you know, God spoke to you and put his finger on an area in your life that he just said, you know what, I'd like to see this area cleaned up and, by, and I'm going to help you in it. 
This isn't a battle. You've got to fight by yourself. I'm going to help you in it. And you were sensitive to that. And you didn't want to grieve the Spirit of God. Very sensitive to that. You didn't want to offend the Lord, the one who had died for you. But now maybe there's no sin in your life and you've almost become a little bit comfortable with it. Almost tolerating it. Accepting that, you know what, this is just the way it's going to have to be until I'm in eternity. And you believe that lie. What can happen sometimes is we're hearing the word of God and all of a sudden we're distracted, aren't we? Somebody has said something from the Lord, from his word, and I'm guilty of this. I am guilty of this as well. So the fingers are not pointing at you. There's four back at me. But we go back outside, we go into the parking lot and we immediately we engage back into the trivia of the day. Hey, what's the latest score of the football game? Think the Giants are going to win the playoffs? Now, there's a place and time to talk about those things. But do we sometimes, does Satan allow the seed to be robbed because we engage immediately back into the everyday conversation? God help us so that our faith, this wonderful relationship that we have with the Lord, it doesn't become bland and blah. And the heart, if you know him today, becomes cool. God protect us from that. And that we burn for the Lord Jesus Christ with the intensity that we had when we first met him. And for that matter, it's increasing and intensifying year by year, day by day, as we look to him. Scripture tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and protector of our faith. And I don't know about you, but the life I live, that's an ongoing prayer every day. Lord, help me to fix my eyes on you because there, I'm getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And there's a lot of voices calling out to me. There's a lot of people telling me to do this and do this and do this. I've got to fix my eyes on you. Satan has snatched the seed. That's what the Lord Jesus said. We must pray. We must pray and be determined that when God speaks to us, whatever way it is, that we're going to follow through. Aren't you grateful today that you have a God who speaks to you? There's a lot of people who are of incredible importance. I don't, I'm never going to get a minute with them in this earth. I don't, I've said this to you before. I, I cannot call the president this afternoon and say, can I have a word with you, please? Can I speak with you? Will you speak with me? It's not going to happen. Barry Bonds isn't going to talk to me, even. God of the universe wants to speak to you. Matter of fact, the scripture tells us that where two or three are gathered together, he's here. The Lord Jesus is present by faith in this, in this room. What kind of reception would we give him? There's an old nursery rhyme that says, Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? I don't know if you've heard this before. The improbable answer is with silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row. Really? Is that how your garden grows in your yard that you have? No, it doesn't happen that easy. If it did, I'd go get silver bells and cockle shells and I don't know where I'm going to find pretty maids all in a row. But I want to see my garden grow at my house. I love to garden. I was out there a couple hours yesterday doing it. I hate to see those weeds that grow up. They seem to take over sometimes. 
What farmer, think about it, maybe there's a farmer here still in our city environment, somewhere down at Hartshire, a farmer. What, what farmer expects his fields to yield a harvest merely by looking through a seed catalog? Or choosing his crops and settling back in his rocking chair to wait and see what's going to happen? If he thinks his garden is going to grow without his cultivating the ground, planting the seed, weeding, fertilizing, watering and harvesting, well, he's more off his rocker than on. If he doesn't do that, it's hard work. And the balance in the scripture, what the scripture teaches us, that God is at work in us. And Paul talks about that. He, he too strived. That he made it his effort. And this combination of trusting in the grace of God, relying and depending on him, and then doing what God tells us to do is where our responsibility comes in so that we grow. God never intended, if you know him this morning, that you would stay the same in your spiritual maturity until the day you go to eternity. His intention for you and I is that we'll grow up and mature and become more and more and more like the Son of God. Now, you've got to ask yourself today, and it's really between you and the Lord on this, is that the desire of my heart? Is that something that I'm, this new fall season, really concerned about? That this new season, this fall season, that by the grace of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to see change in my life. I want to grow. I want to become more like the Lord. Some of the sins that have been besetting and the devil who's been working and trying to discourage me, I don't want him to have his way. I want to be different. Sometimes I think we fall into this kind of weird theology that there's no basis for that says that we're somehow going to just grow as we just lay on our rocking chair and do nothing. Don't misunderstand me. The scripture teaches we can do nothing for our salvation. It's the blood of Christ and the blood of Christ alone. But do you, when you get up in the morning, or in my case, when I get up, go to work in the evening, I'm all mixed up with my hours, but whatever your time is, do you open up the word of God? And do you spend some time reading it and speaking to the Lord and hearing the Lord speak to you? There's books out there on the market that are called The High Cost of Growing, The Pursuit of Holiness. I see some action in that, in those titles. Let's move on quickly. The next thing Jesus says is that the seed was planted in shallow, rocky soil. There's a problem there, too. And if you know anything about planting seed, you know that the problem is, is that there's no room for rooting to take place, is there? The sun shines hot. and Man, it seems like it's been a hot summer. I can't wait to wear a jacket again, can you? The sun shines hot and the plants, what happens? They wither away. The lawn turns brown. The roots didn't reach the moisture. As a young believer, I remember somebody telling me this, and I have never forgotten this. They said, drive those roots deep. They said, the noonday sun is coming. I didn't really fully understand that. I understand it now. Over the years that I've been a believer and I have seen, sadly, brothers and sisters 
ache over sin of other brothers and sisters. Where the devil has had the opportunity, the seed that was planted in shallow and rocky soil, you see the effects of it didn't take root. Some people make the mistake, and I understand if you're a new believer this morning, don't make this mistake and think that when you become a Christian, the Christian life is going to be easy. There is a special period. It's a wonderful period where there's, there's that sense of uh, the tenderness, the care, the, the fuss of other brothers and sisters, the encouragement. You've got this, a strong appetite for the word. Remember that? Great victories are being discovered in your life, and you'll talk to anybody about Jesus Christ. If, it, if it's breathing, you're going to talk to Jesus. It's a wonderful time. It's a honeymoon time. I hope you're still experiencing the honeymoon. But it doesn't occur, it doesn't occur forever. My honeymoon lasted two days, physically, as far as where we went. Thank God after 23 years, I'm more in love with my wife now than I was 23 years ago. I mean, she's a, she's a blessing to me. But it doesn't occur forever. Just that bliss of being away and all that special time. It's a day-to-day relationship, isn't it? Drive those roots deep, brothers and sisters. Someone has said, sin is tougher to beat than we think. Repentance is costly. Spiritual disciplines aren't easy. Some prayers, God in his wisdom allows to go unanswered for years. I've been praying for my father since I've been a Christian now, 1977, and here we are in 2003. I've been praying for him for all that time that he'll come to Christ. I haven't seen that prayer answered yet, but I keep on praying. God doesn't sometimes answer our prayers like we want right now. Not everybody's going to be thrilled with your stand for Christ. I trust you found that. Some people that are really happy with the relationship that you have with the Lord and that you found this. There's other people that aren't all that excited. And you have as a Christian, but you have the Lord, but you do have an enemy who really wants to see you blow it. There's no letting up on that either. The devil wants to do everything he can. He can't take your salvation if you're a Christian today. But he wants to do whatever he can to trip you up and make you an ineffective witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to leave you here discouraged this morning. I'm just telling you the realities of what it is that happens on the rocky soil. So we must remember that when the sun rises to blast down its heat, praise God, and we, we struggle Sometimes we sin and we, we blow it. Thank God there's a God who says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And thank God that we have a God of grace. You know, I don't know about you, but if I was the Lord and I offended, I was offended as much as he is by things that I do, the sin that I commit, unfortunately, on a given day or during a week or a month. I'm not, I'm not sure I've, you know, if it, I'd probably say, you know, I've had enough. You know, I just, in a human relationship, if somebody kept on doing stuff that kind of just got at you and hurt you, and the Lord gets hurt by our sin, it affects them. 
You know, in, in most relationships, what we do is we just say, you know, I can't take it anymore. It's too much pain. I've got to pull away from this person. I, just, I can't take it. And yet the Lord stays with us. He stays with us when we do these things. It doesn't excuse it, but it helps it. And I hope it makes you run to him even more. That you have a God who loves you unconditionally, even when we blow it. I want you to understand this morning, and if you read the New Testament, that growth is never presented as an option. It's not an idea that the Lord has that, you know, we're just, if you like and you feel like it, you know, let's, I just hope you kind of grow up. Imagine if you have children this morning, or everybody here, one time we were in diapers. How bizarre it would be if we never grew up. Wouldn't it be bizarre if, if I'm, you were, ch- I had to be changed today, be- not because of any medical condition, which is a whole different story, but if I had to be changed in diapers today, or if I came and I was sucking my thumb when I came to the pulpit, it'd be absurd, wouldn't it? You'd never have me back. I don't. Spiritually, we're to be growing up. Somebody has said to cease to grow is to begin to die. Then thirdly, we're almost there. The scripture tells us the other situation with the seed is that it had been put down. There were roots and it grew. It was starting to take root, but thorns were all around it. That choked it. You know, this doesn't occur overnight, does it, in the, in the physical realm? I have this um, area in my yard where there are thorns and thistles. Um, I don't know what kind of plant it is, but all I know is that if you touch it without a pair of gloves, you're doomed. There's thorns on it, and there's smaller ones which are really okay, but boy, there's some that are like about that. And I approach it, you know, with fear and trepidation. But I looked at it yesterday, and I, it was, I had just kind of about, it must have been a year ago, I, I thought I had cleaned that whole area out. And you know what? I went over there, and I looked over the fence yesterday, and it was back. It was even worse than before. And I looked at it, and I just, and then I walked away, you know. I said, oh, no, I'll have to tackle this on some other day. But you know what? I let it, I let it go. We have these pine trees in our backyard. And we have this, it's nice to look at in one way, but all this ivy. I don't know if you have any ivy in your yard, but that stuff just is like, grows like it's on steroids or something. I mean, it just grows and grows. And it started to climb the tree of our pine trees. And, it, and I saw it a few years ago, and it was about 20 feet up on the pine tree. And somebody said to me, you know, you got it. You got to pull those vine, those, uh, that ivy off the tree because it's sucking. It'll suck the life out of that pine tree. I said, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. And now it's 75 feet. And I went out there with my brother-in-law a couple weeks ago, and we were, there were initially, there were uh, vines that were probably like this. There were some vines now like that. I was pulling at it and yanking at it. Thorns and thistles and ivies, things that are trying to rob and take from. You let it go, then you have a bigger cost, don't you? Now I had to call a tree man the other day, and I'm going to ask him, can you help me out? Because I was able to cut it up to about six feet, but I've got another 75 feet of it up there. And you know what, though? The interesting thing is I'm watching the leaves die because they've been cut off from the source of their vine. But that's a whole other passage for John 15 some other day. But I've been waiting and watching. I'm saying, please die, leaves. Please die. Fall off my pine tree, please. And now I'm finally seeding. After about a month, leaves are wilting. 
because the energy's been cut from the source. There's a whole message in that for John 15 that's really been special to watch. Things that choke believers aren't the stories that grab the headlines. They're not the stories that grab the headlines. They're the, the daily issues and decisions that we make. The decisions that say, you know, I'm, I'm too busy today to really spend any time with you, Lord. I'll, I'll, I'll get with you later. And then later comes, and you know, I'm just too tired. We'll meet tomorrow morning. And you know what I mean. The things that, that choke. He tells us that the riches, the deceitfulness of sin, the, sorry, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Decisions we make. Who to marry? What career? Where to purchase a home if we can afford one? Even where to go on vacation. It's a wonderful thing as a believer that you take all of those decisions to the Lord. You don't just act on your own wisdom. So it's daily decisions. Rush of everything. Somebody said, you know, and, and what happens? And I, I don't want to sound, as we're wrapping up here, like an old man when I say this. But don't you just sometimes feel like time is just slipping through your fingers? Like if you went to the uh, ocean this afternoon and you grabbed a whole wad of sand and you just let it go through your fingers and how it just all goes through. Here we are in October, another season. Time is moving on. We're getting closer. If you know Christ today, you're getting closer to seeing him face to face. Unless he comes back tonight. I'd love that. Then I wouldn't have to go back to work this evening. That'd be one blessing. (laughs) Yesterday, last evening at work, we had an eight-car or sorry, a vehicle accident where a car rolled over on the freeway. Eight people inside, eight people ejected. Four possibly were killed, airlifted to hospitals. Four were in very critical condition. Total of eight. Early yesterday morning, Crow Canyon Road, a man lost his life traveling. I was talking to a police officer yesterday who was coming home with his wife from a trip down in Shasta on Highway 5, and they rolled their vehicle. She lost two of her fingers. But he said, I'm so glad I'm alive. You realize, he said, what's really important in life. As Christians this morning, I trust we really understand what's important in our lives. And I'll tell you, the number one thing is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we give him his due. And everything else then just flows naturally from that when the Lord is first. He's our one desire above all else. And then we have the future and the hope of one day seeing him face to face. You know, I want to just encourage you. I had to go out with these clippers and I had to um, just one day I finally said, OK, let's just do it. Got a person over, fed him lunch. We, we cut down that ivy off the pine trees. Sometimes what has to happen is that we've got to cut. What, what's what's choking What's choking your, your walk today, if you know him? Cut it out. Yeah. Hebrews 12 says, be careful, you know, uh, be watch out for, for the sin that so easily entangles us, gets us all tripped up. If you're conscious of what it is today, then I pray that you'll have the courage and the guts and the resolve to take it to the Lord and confess it and tell him that you want to repent from it 
If you're in bondage or you struggle with that computer, do what you've got to do that so that you're not getting onto websites that you shouldn't be on. With this new fall lineup that the media gives us and the television tells us is out there, determine today by the grace of God that you're not going to watch that stuff. As it gets more and more into how we can shock and get more and more people to watch it by what we have, determine that you're not going to do that if you know him. Because why? Because you love him. John 14, 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. If, God, if you're aware of a bitterness in a relationship today, the Bible says that if you're unforgiving in a, in a relationship with another person today, that has an effect on your, your fellowship and communication with God. You've got to make that right. I was conscious of the fact driving over on Crow Canyon Road on the very stretch of road where a man lost his life yesterday. That it's so important that we keep short accounts with the Lord. That we're walking with him. And that those that he has us in our, and those lives of people that he has us with, that we're, we're close with them. That we're, we're keeping close, short accounts. That you love the people that God has given you to love. And you express that to them. Whatever it is that's choking cut it. And lastly, as we wrap up, we can't forget the good soil. Jesus' last description is of a seed. He tells us falling into good soil and producing a great harvest. The life that is good seed, that's what we want, which produces, he says in the text, a hundredfold. And it isn't a life without problems, without struggles, without sins. But such a person, if you want to be that good soil, is a person who knows how to spend his life rightly, for the right reasons, for the right causes, who has a, a, an attitude that says, God, I, am inde- I, I do not want to be independent. I do not want to trust in myself, but I want to trust in you and look for you to be the source of my strength. And you press on. You know, with every season, with every season, there's lots of blessings. There's struggles, isn't there? There's benefits, 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Toil, labor, but it's not in vain. He encourages you to press on. Winston Churchill said, and I close with this, Success is never final. Failure is never fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this, this afternoon now that you love us enough that you want to monitor our heart. And Lord, we pray that um, our hearts might be like that, that good soil. That when the seed falls, Lord, that we're, we're being fruitful for you, Lord. That we're, we're living the kind of light that would bring pleasure to you. Lord, we pray that you will just help us to be alert to all the different um, strategies of the enemy to try and cause us to not be fruitful and to grow. And we pray, Father, that even in this new season that we'll be those who are growing more and more into the image of your dear Son. Father, thank you for your people today. Bless us as we go. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.